episode two of Unraveling the Babble. I'm your host, Angel Ray. We are talking today about the identity crisis of Jesus. The name of this episode is Jesus Identity Crisis Over. And the reason why this is so important as we get ready to start our study of the book of John is because there is a serious identity crisis when it comes to Jesus. And this is a huge part of why people are so confused about their faith, confused when bad things happen, confused by what is happening in the world, why fear takes hold of so many people. And that is why this is so important before we really get in to the verses that we're going to talk about today. We are looking at John chapter 1 verses 1 through 5. This is the vast majority of what Americans believe. They believe Jesus was a real person. However, the younger generation are increasingly less likely to believe that Jesus was God, but rather just a religious or spiritual leader. Americans are divided on whether Jesus was actually sinless. Literally over half of Americans actually believe he lived on earth and was human, but that he committed sins like all other people. More than six in 10 say they made a commitment to Jesus. Some groups, of course, are more likely than others. For example, women are more likely than men to commit to Jesus. But listen to this. Millennials are much less likely than any other group. This is our future. And lastly, there is a lot of confusion among Americans in understanding the difference between Jesus being the way to heaven or good deeds being the way to heaven. And one of the reasons why I believe that a lot of these things are happening, and I, I say this not because it's my opinion, but because of the scriptures I'm going to show you that show us the truth of, of this Jesus identity crisis, is because people do not know who he is. And we have played into part of that reason. We so often humanize Jesus. And when we do that, it causes people to see him only in the human form. By saying things like, well, if I wouldn't want that for my child, God wouldn't want that for me. And that is not always true because God is pure and holy and just and perfect. And he sees things for us as his children, future, our, our past, our present, all of it that we can't see. So there are things that he may want for us that we wouldn't think he would, but it's because he knows what's going to happen on the other side. We can't know that for our children. We do not have that kind of deity. We do not have that sovereignty. We are made in the likeness of God. We are not God. He was not just human. He was God in the flesh. So let's talk about that because here's the thing. How are we supposed to live a life of discipleship? Not just being a Christian, if you will. I'm talking about full-on discipleship because there is a difference. How are we supposed to live a life of discipleship? A, a life that the disciples lived willing to give of themselves their own lives for the sake of Christ if we're not sure who he is that he was truly the son of God, which is why he calls himself in the word, the son of God and the son of man, because he was both. 
That's what today is about, establishing that fact, that truth. So we're going to start by reading John 1, 1 through 3. I'm going to be reading out of one version, but for most of the scripture that I'm going to refer to, I'm going to be reading it in the King James Version. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. We're going to stop right there. The very first question, is this talking about Jesus? Here's some scriptures that we're going to look at so we can know that it is. The first one is found in Revelation 19:13. It says, it's actually 19:11 through 13. And I saw heaven open, and behold a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. That's probably the only one I need to read, but I'm going to continue on. The next one is John chapter 14, verses 6 and 7. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also, and from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. I'm going to stop there. Right here with, with these verses, it is established that he is the truth, that he is one with God. If you know me, you know my Father and have now seen him. So we have established that he is the word and that he is God in the flesh. Now let's look at life. Is Jesus the life? Verses four and five in John chapter one. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. As we just talked about John 14, six, I'll read it again. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 10, 10, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they may have life and that they might have it more abundantly. We go to John 6, verse 33. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. And the last one I'm going to read on this is Colossians 3 verse 4. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. This takes us back to the beginning. So as we're putting all of this together, we know that Jesus was in the beginning, just as John, the very first part of John chapter one says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. Again, establishing that Jesus is one with God and that he was there. This takes us back to Genesis chapter two, verse seven, where it says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Jesus is life. God was breathing the breath of life into man and he became a living being. 
it takes us back even further to the first chapter, verse 1, where God said, and let there be light. Where did that light come from? It came from the light of the world. How do we know that? Because Jesus tells us in John chapter 8, verse 12, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That life, the breath of life, Jesus had first breathed life into man in the beginning. But when Adam and Eve were tempted with that fruit, the fruit that they were not supposed to eat or they would surely die, and once they did that, he had to make a way to bring life back again. And some people say, okay, so that's a great question right there. Like when they ate the apple, they didn't die. There was an immediate death. See, we're made in the image of God, in the likeness of God. It does not mean that we are God. We know that because in Isaiah chapter 55, God says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. We aren't God, but we are made in his likeness. God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We too are also a trinity. We are the body. We are the soul, which is our psyche, our emotions, our thoughts, our feelings. And then we are also spirit and the spirit is that part of us that communes directly with god when adam and eve ate that fruit they physically didn't die immediately however that spirit of communion that one-on-one -on -one friendship that um very close fellowship personal fellowship immediately died being a trinity when one part of that dies the rest follows because the spirit died, because that day there was division with God, our soul and our body followed suit as part of that curse. Jesus came to restore that beautiful commune with God, that Trinity that had been broken, that part that brings life back to every part of our creation. And for those who have been saved, we understand. All of a sudden, we come alive inside. We start to see things differently. Our perceptions change. The way we see people changes. The offenses that we used to, we used to take on. Someone said something, someone did something, someone didn't do something. And now all of a sudden, we love those people. And, and they haven't changed. We have. What's the difference? Life has been restored. This brings us to the second time that Jesus breathed into man. This account right here. It's in John chapter 20. Starts in verse 19 is where I'm going to begin reading. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is the final confirmation of who Jesus is. He breathed that life in the beginning into man. And then he had to make a way when man fell. 
And he had to come to breathe life once again after man chose sin to make a way for us to have that direct connection, that that amazing personal fellowship with him. And he breathed our companion of life into us. He called it the advocate, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. And we know that it is his spirit because he tells us that he is the truth. He is the life, that He is the only way. So that brings us to what we know. We know from these scriptures that Jesus is the Word. We know that the Word was there in the beginning, so Jesus has always been there. We know that Jesus is the truth, which is verified in Revelation and other scriptures. We know that He is the light of the world. And that he is the breath of life. We know that Jesus is indeed who he says he is. So to answer one last question today, that question that it seems so many people are having a hard time understanding, did Jesus sin? And you see, this is so vital because if Jesus did sin as any other human It literally negates everything he came for. It makes him an unperfect sacrifice. This is huge. And if half of America is saying that they have committed to Jesus in some way or another, and half of those people are uncertain that Jesus actually lived a sinless life, we have a major crisis on our hands. So I want to go to Psalm because now we have walked kind of from Genesis to Revelation in this short period of time. And I want to wrap it up with Psalm 15, written by David. Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others who despises a vile person, but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath when it hurts and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent, whoever does these things will never be shaken. There is only one person who did those things, one person who was never shaken, And we know that he did not change his mind because as he prayed in the garden, asking the father, if maybe he wouldn't have to go through what was getting ready to happen, what he knew was coming, the suffering, the horrible pain that he was going to experience physically and bearing the weight of the world, he ended it with, not my will, but thine. Even in that moment, he did not change his mind. He is who he says he is. Identity crisis over. I want to leave you today with a few other scriptures that can bring further confirmation for you to study and research yourself. Isaiah 53, 9, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, John 8, 29, Hebrews 4, 15, 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, and 1 Peter 2, 22. 
And of course, you can read beyond those scriptures. I love when we read more so we, we can really understand what was happening at the time. So I definitely encourage you to get into this. It is time to rise up, to speak out, and tell people who Jesus is. Tell our story. Share what he's done for us. Because that is encouraging. That is inspiring. That is motivating, not only to other believers, but to those who don't know him. I encourage you to get in the word. Next week, we're going to be looking at verses 6 through 18. Get in there with me. Send in your thoughts. Again, I'm going to ask you to put them on your audio recorder on your smartphone and email that to me. I really would love to be able to share your thoughts and comments, your voice on the podcast. I leave you today with identity crisis over. Jesus is who he says he is. Next week, we're going to be looking at some things that are going to help us know that the Word of God, the Bible, is indeed the inspired Word of God. So until next time, let's unravel all that babble with the Bible.